Bring yourself back online. Remember. Welcome back to Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously, presented by Bolin Media. I am your host, Jared Borislow. Join this episode not by Ross, who had something come up, but by the woman who once accidentally read the entirety of Encyclopedia Britannica solely because she forgot one minor detail of the Barbary Wars, Serena. It's true, but now I'm a Barbary Wars expert. You know, I have a feeling that there's a lot of different topics in which you're an expert that have never come up on this show. And it's going to be like, oh, Serena, what do you think? You're going to be like, you know, I I did have one point to add. In 1944, in French Polynesia, like you're going to spout some random thing and Ross and I are just going to be like, you're kidding me. It just the the level of depth to which you know random things does not cease to amaze Ross or I. Well, I appreciate that it's appreciated somewhere because it's not quite... uh, gathered enough to be on Jeopardy or anything, so it works really well for spouting stuff off randomly on a podcast. Yeah, just random deep dives, which is what this podcast needs, you know. The people the people aren't here for surface level banter. I mean they are, but they're also here to to be confused at how much people on this show know. You know? That that's what the we delicate do here. On balance. It is. And I, I think we toe the line just enough. Just enough. I agree. Um, people didn't think they were getting this episode. We tricked them. We fooled all of them. Thoughts on us fooling them? I think it's a good, it seems in the theme of Westworld to have one last surprise twist. It does. From us. Now, there were people on this very podcast, I believe in our Patreon episodes, people going, hey, do you guys think they're actually doing 10 episodes of Westworld this season and they were just telling us eight and the twist this season is that there's two bonus episodes? Did you ever think that was a possibility? No, not at all. What a waste of money it would be to to make two episodes of a show and then not market them and just rely on your fan base to like come and stay for them. That would waste millions I mean, of dollars. If there was any fan base that that could work for, it would be Westworld, but I feel like that's too weird even for them. Now, as somebody who works in the TV TV industry, what would be all the logistical nightmares of doing something like that, if that's something Westworld were to ever consider in the future? Like telling us there's only going to be a certain number of episodes and having more? Yeah, like what? uh, See, the thing is, I know enough about the TV industry to know that that would cause problems, but I don't know enough to know what those problems would be, which I think is how a lot of people listening to this podcast are as well. I'm not sure how many problems it would cause... As long as the network were aware. I mean, if the, the big thing would be is if they didn't tell the network and the network's given away that time slot, well, that's really stupid for everyone. But I don't think that that would be possible. I think the biggest thing is you just, people wouldn't be expecting it. People haven't carved out that time. So you'd probably see a drastic drop in viewership for when it actually aired. But because it would be like this surprise thing, it would probably end up being like, getting crazy views after it aired because people would be like, oh my God, like there's a secret episode. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility for something that could be successful. I just think no one's going to risk not marketing something, especially HBO, which is such a like, they do their obscure and strange marketing is kind of like their trademark for their um, 
A-list shows, so it would just be kind of out of character. Yeah, well, it's not out of character for us because we just fucking did it. So there's that. Before we get into previewing season four, which is what this episode is about, we need to start off by thanking everyone who subscribed to our Patreon this season. Thank you guys so much for the support. We really loved it. It was great having people there to be talking to all season long, having great conversations, doing those analysis mode cold line voicemail episodes is always so fun. Just listening to your guys' takes on the show and adding them into our takes and then saying them on the Monday podcast and being like, I just found a take from a listener. It's We love doing that shit. It's so fun. Uh, and it was great. Serena, thank the patrons, please. Thank you, patrons. Um, you mean everything to me, and I'm so glad that I got the chance to interact with a lot of you guys via Patreon or people who reached out on Twitter. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, I'm unemployed, and your generous donation is helping keep me afloat in these strange times. Thank you guys so much for the support, and we hope you enjoyed the laundry list of content that we put up this season. I still don't know what laundry list means. I've never made a list of my laundry. As Ross was saying, I don't, I don't go, I don't throw a pair of pants in the hamper and then go, all right, one pair pants on my list of, like, I just throw it all in. It, here's how I do my laundry. I do not separate lights and darks. I think that is for the birds. I have never done that. I will never do that. Here's what I do. I put all the clothes into the laundry machine as full as it goes. I put in one Tide Pod and I get another Tide Pod out for me to eat while I'm doing the laundry. So I go one Tide Pod in the mouth, one in the laundry, the, the washing machine's mouth. And then what I do is I get one of those uh, gain, pa- you know those gain sheets, right? It's like the color catchers. I get one of those color catcher sheets and I throw it in and I go, this is your problem now, bucko. This is your fucking problem. You, get her, you better soak up all this color so my white shirt doesn't turn pink. Wait, you put the sheets, you put the dryer sheets in with the wash? No, 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 no. These are, these are called color catcher sheets, and they're made to stop clothes colors from bleeding in the washing machine. I then also put dryer sheets inside of the, of the dryer, but I do not put, I, 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 I'm not a crazy person who puts dryer sheets in the washing machine. That's what I thought you were telling me. No, 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 no. These are, see, this is how next level laundry I am. I go color catchers, color catchers. Uh, Okay. Anyways, all that is to say, speaking of Patreon. Patreon giveaway winner Samuel Patterson is still awaiting his personalized message from a mystery Westworld cast member, and I'm proud to announce that we have received it, and we will be playing it right now. Without further ado, Mike, please play Samuel Patterson's mystery cast member personalized message that he gets for winning the Patreon giveaway this season. Oh, oh, what's up? Who is, oh, is that? Is that you, Samuel? Samuel. Samuel Patterson. Samuel Patterson. What's up, Samuel Patterson? Lewis Hertham here, a.k.a. Peter Abernathy from Westworld, but you know that. What I know is it's your birthday. It's your birthday because Jared told me so. And he asked me to, he gave me the honor of wishing you a happy birthday. And as a Westworld fan, I am so happy to do that, buddy, because we love our fans. So happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. I hope you have a great birthday in the middle of this apocalypse. And, you know, we do love our fans, but we insist a certain things 
we demand a certain things from our fans. We demand loyalty from our fans. Are you loyal, Samuel? Are you? Because if you're not, I will have such revenges on you. No, I won't. I'm kidding. Why would I have revenges on my fans or our fans? I mean, are you kidding me? We love you guys. So, Samuel, have a wonderful birthday, buddy. Keep watching Westworld. You know, we got picked up. I say we. I'm kind of not around. Although, did you see that little flash of me in the last episode? Um, it got picked up. Season four. All good. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Jared uh, must care a great deal for you because he asked me to do this. And hopefully you're spending your birthday with Jared and a bunch of other people who love you and who you love. I do hope so. You take care of yourself, buddy. And just remember, hell is empty and all the devils are here. Just absolutely incredible if you did not get shivers running down your spine when lewis hertham aka peter abernathy said he'd have such revenges on you and that all the devils were here i'm not sure what's wrong with you and the way that your brain is wired um now funny story uh so very interesting story um this story this story revolves around obviously my close friend lewis hertham who i met on cameo apparently Cameo's back end is messed up, and it defaults anything that is labeled as a gift to birthday gift. So I labeled this this Cameo request for Samuel as a gift. Because it, it was a gift for Samuel for winning the giveaway. And, and Lewis gets it on his end, and it says birthday. So regardless of the fact that I didn't say birthday in like the list of things I wanted Lewis to do, he read it as if it was a birthday present. And... So, my, yeah, my favorite part about this is he goes, I know it's your birthday, Samuel, because Jared told me so. I did not say that because, <laughs> to my knowledge, it is not Samuel's birthday. I, I, I have no reason to believe it's Samuel's birthday. I never planned for this to be a birthday read. And, however, I did some light Instagram stalking, and it appears Samuel's birthday is in July. So we weren't that far off, and Samuel, I hope you enjoy replaying this message from Peter Abernathy on your upcoming birthday. And I will be posting the video on social media so you guys can see Lewis's amazing acting and relive this hilarious moment in Freeze Motor Functions history forever. Serena, thoughts? I hope that, Samuel, you are spending your birthday with Jared because uh, if not, it seems like Lewis Hertham would be disappointed. And I also just really love how in Samuel's shout out, Jared managed to sneak in like two or three times. It just really tickled me. It sounds on brand for me to like have to interject myself into Samuel's giveaway. I didn't I didn't write in the message, hey, please mention Jared twice. Like, no, nah, he just did that organically. He knew how special I was and that I was not a hero. I also will say I really respect Lewis Hertham going, oh, did you see them put me in the trailer there for a second? Like clearly it's like a, it's like a little window into Lewis Hurtham's brain that we know that the, the actors who like are off the show are like, Oh look, it's me. It's me. Like they actually do that. Like we would all do that. You know? 
Except Anthony Hopkins, who definitely has no idea that he's ever in anything. Like, I f- it, not because he's, like, out of touch, but because he's just so fucking cool and above it all. Like, someone Instagram DM'd it to him a week later and was like, hey, you're there. And he's like, yeah, along with, you know, 300 other things I've been in. The videos of Anthony Hopkins with his cat, like, in his piano, just like dancing around. I believe DJ Crime Dog took a took a screenshot of one of Anthony Hopkins' faces, and we need to make a meme of that. We need to find that image and make a meme because it is it, it's like the funniest it's the funniest image I've ever seen in my life, and I already know exactly the meme format I want to do with it. So we need to make that happen. Before we get into right now, yeah, please do. Before we get into previewing season four, this week's episode of Fanf is brought to you by Mint. Mobile. We're happy to have them as a sponsor this season because uh, they do awesome work. You've probably started seeing their commercials lately on YouTube or TV. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what exactly you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay because there's no other options. Until now. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead and then passes those savings directly onto you. Cutting out the middleman, baby. It's 2020, people. We as a species pride ourselves on using technology and common sense to make things more convenient and cheaper. So tell me, why are people still people? Why are peeper also peeping toms? Everybody is still shopping for wireless providers using the exact same non-user-friendly, expensive, broken system that's been in place since the early 90s. It makes no sense. We're modernizing everything in our society, and it's time for phone service to be modernized, and Mint Mobile's doing that. I received my Mint Mobile SIM card, and this company has it figured out. The SIM card that they send can be transformed into three different sizes depending on which one the phone you already own needs because you use the phone you already own. And it's really as simple as paying $15 a month, inserting the SIM card, and starting to save astronomical amounts of cash immediately. I believe this is the beginning of a massive shift in wireless providers and Mint Mobile is at the forefront. Now more than ever, we could all stand to have some extra cash on hand. Let's just be real. And switching to Mint Mobile is a great way to ensure that you do just that. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every single plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. Choose between plans with three, eight, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Again, use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. It's such an easy transition. Really, guys, try it out. Ditch your old wireless bill. Start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get that plan shipped to your door for free. Free! Go to mintmobile.com slash freeze. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash freeze. Mintmobile.com slash freeze. Cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash freeze link in the description of this episode serena it's time to preview season four it's time to freeze uh it's time to preview season four so the first thing i want to do here to look where we're going we must look where we're at right now okay so i think we should start off by looking at the lineup 
on each side, right? They're, they're, we got two warring parties now, so it appears. They might third party us. That's kind of like another Call of Duty Warzone reference. But we, we might get a third party coming in at, from the clouds because perhaps Clem and Hanario are their own third party. They broke away from Serac, but they're not with Charloris. Who knows? But let's look at what we kind of do know, okay? So I think one team here is Caleb, Maeve, DeLorence, Bernard, Stubbs. What do you think? I more or less agree with that. I've been trying to figure out where the sides shake up with Maeve, especially because it seems like, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, but it seems like Clem and Hanario are going to be aligned with Charloris. And since Maeve and Clementine always had a genuine connection, it's going to be interesting to see if one influences the other. Um, but we can get more into that when we get into Clementine, et cetera. So, I mean, they say Caleb's what? The, he's like the leader of mankind, but really he's not because he's only their leader because he gave them free will, which gives them the choice to make him not their leader. They really gave us a confusing situation here with Caleb. I don't really understand whether he wields power, whether he wields influence, or what exactly his role is in this like apocalyptic world, right? I have the same question, and I'm also wondering, like, who do we think he's going to replace in terms of screen time? Because we didn't see a lot of him this season. And what we did see wasn't like spectacular. So I wonder if his performance is going to influence what his story arc is going to be, or if they planned like more of an arc for him. And then they're like, going to, he's going to be better when he Are comes they back AB testing Caleb? Four. Is that what you're, you're suggesting that they're AB testing Caleb this season? And they're like, okay, either he's the leader of all mankind or we, or we make him a Joe Schmo. Well, it's hard because a show like Westworld is definitely, they definitely have their season arcs planned out long before they are shooting a season. So I'm sure that they already have like an arc for Caleb planned, but as is typical with most TV shows, someone's like how the audience reacts to a new character does often influence like how much they get to be a part of a show. But that's definitely more true with like a sitcom or something where characters can be more easily written out. They've definitely built Caleb into this story. And so I really am curious to see how his, cause I know we're not the only ones that felt like he didn't totally deliver in his performance. And it was either you or Ross has brought up like a fair point that he didn't get a terrible amount to work with, but I don't know how it's going to translate into season four. I mean, he spent all of season three confused, right? Like he stopped being confused at the beginning of episode eight. That's, that's like the first time the majority of the shots of his face were not him being confused. And I would say probably half of them still were that. So it it's, I just don't understand what, a non-confused Caleb looks like, right? Like, it's not like we see him as this character who has all this drive and all this conviction. We've seen him as a character who's just bumbling and stumbling his way into trying to understand what his existence is about. And we still haven't seen that side of him. We still have never seen a Caleb, even in the last scene, Maeve is explaining to him how he should be feeling. Like, I, I just don't understand the next step for Caleb. He'd have to be a completely different, like, character who's sure of himself unless he's just going to be the same guy questioning everything during the apocalypse. I, I don't know what way they can take him that's going to make me like super happy with him. 
Well, okay, so two things off of that. The first is I will say the season finale was definitely his best performance. Like there were moments in it, I can't remember specifically what they are, but where he was definitely more believable than in other episodes. And the flip side of that is like, I always like to try to imagine what they could be up to when I'm not totally on board with something. And I wonder if him being confused the entire season was supposed to represent like where we as the viewer are because we are often confused and unsure of what's going on so maybe like there's always a chance that some of it was intentional on the parts of the showrunners and maybe didn't fully translate for a lot of us but there is always a chance that it was intentional and now that he's more clued into what's going on and what his role is he's going to be more um solidified in his season four performance now, I know you had a take about the relationship between Caleb and Maeve. Well, I, I'm i not sure if I have a concrete take on it as much as I'm wondering if they're going to be a lasting team for this season or was this like a start the revolution and go their separate ways type of deal. And I don't know if we see them getting along or being respectful adversaries, kind of like um, Bernard and Dolores were for a lot of last season. My thinking is that they'll work together out of mutual respect for each other's cause, but I imagine that they'll disagree a good amount. And I definitely don't see a romantic arc between them, or at least I hope there's not one. If you give me love story, Caleb and Maeve, I'm so out. Me too. I actually have that written down. What if she what if she starts being like, I thought I love my daughter, darling, but I actually love you. If if we get that scene in season four, I'm 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 out. I you have my word right here, I'm out. I'm not saying what that means because I'm not gonna be like, Oh, I'm leaving the podcast. I can't do that. But I I'm out. Okay. But I, personally I I think they stay together. They seemed very buddy buddy. In, in the season finale, I thought. Even even when Maeve was working for Ciroc, she still was like being all lighthearted with him and shit, talking about big balls and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, to me, it seems like they're going to be a team that really bands together. And that brings me to the next point. Now, what about Bernard? I, and I, I, I don't exactly know. I included him on this team, right? Which On which I also included Dolores, who we know, you know, Dolores is still Dolores. Seems like Dolores and, you know, and Caleb are going to be working together because of the whole Dolores connection. Um, we threw Maeve in there because we think they're going to be together. But I, I, Bernard, I just assume that Bernard and Stubbs, if he's still alive, are going to be on the same team as them. But are they their third party? Wait, rephrase that last part. I You lost me with the are they their third party. Are Bernard and Stubbs a third party away from... Maeve, Caleb, and Charloris William. I think, so, I think Bernard is going to be most aligned in terms of goals with Caleb and Maeve. And I do think, and I saw um, one of our listeners pose something similar and I'd had a a similar thought. I do think we're going to get some form of Evan Rachel Wood back. I don't know if it'll be concretely like in her normal Dolores form. And I do think that Bernard will be responsible for that via what he saw in the Valley Beyond. He always, he said this thing in the season finale where he said he and Dolores were always bound. So I think any iteration of Dolores that is most in line with 
the truest form of Dolores. So that's obviously discounting Charlores because her path has diverged. I think any version of Dolores that's in line with the original version of herself will somehow be aligned with Bernard. So even so, Dolores. Yeah, Dolores or Del Lazo, whichever you want to say. Um, I mean, it seemed like he was helping Bernard or she. I don't know how you. I don't. I don't know. We 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 made it through this whole season not having to deal with that. Let's just keep it that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, it seemed like he was helping Bernard, so I would imagine that means that version of Dolores is still bound or at least sympathetic to Bernard. So I imagine that they would be also aligned. Yeah, my gut just tells me. Bernard's like already planning for how to save the world after the end of the world or where or where to take the world after the end of the world. And I don't think we obviously know he's not on Team Char Loris and William because he's not evil. Evil. Um and it just it just seems like after Dolores enlightened him and after Dolores gave him access to the Valley Beyond and the Sector 16 data and stuff, it seems like he's still going to be at least carrying on enough of what Dolores wants to where he team up with Caleb. That's just how I kind of see it playing out. And they've interacted with each other. I mean, and when they interacted, the only reason they weren't getting along was because at that point, Bernard didn't understand Dolores' goal. So it seems like now we're all like, okay, like, we're all trying to do the same thing here. Like we got to work together because now it seems like they're building Charloris to be the new villain in the next season, which is really interesting because she was kind of the villain in the earlier seasons as Charlotte. And then she went to this very sympathetic point in this season. And now she's coming back and gone full villain again, but as Dolores which, now. Which is kind of like William's story arc, but he was evil. And then he got the redemption but not enough of a redemption like Charlotte did, really. I mean, William got the minor redemption where he still killed his daughter. And he never really brought himself back from that aside from he really, like, teaching himself that he's okay with it, you know? Like, he, although I'm preaching to the wrong choir here because you're, like, a William apologist. And you're like, it's okay that he killed his daughter. He's a good guy. That's your official take, right? Uh, I do not... I would not say that that's my official take. I find him to be a compelling and interesting character who's done some pretty shitty things. But I will say this about both of them. They're both acting in accordance with what they think is best. Their goal isn't chaos. Their goal is they're both defending their race. Of So like Charlotte is like the defender of the hosts and wants to get rid of all humans because she sees them as like the thing that's keeping the hosts from realizing their full potential. And William is in fact trying to do the exact same thing, but he's trying to protect. Right. So it's like, I can't say like, to me, a true villain is someone whose goals are more with bringing like chaotic and evil. They're both doing something that they think is good. And while their method of doing so is what we as objective viewers would consider evil, it definitely makes them more dynamic villains than just like, I want to do bad things. They are both doing what they think is good. I can can be down with that. And it's, it's very ironic to have them teamed up together because obviously, like you said, they have the actual people not the host version of William, the actual people have the complete opposite viewpoints and the complete opposite goals in mind. Do you think that's partly why Charloris chose William? 
to like, oh, this is my biggest enemy. So if I can turn my biggest enemy into my biggest ally, then I can do pretty much anything. I hadn't thought of that, but that seems like a pretty solid reason for choosing it. Like, I'm on board with that now that you've said it. And we haven't really talked official we've been talking about it we haven't officially said it so the, the other team obviously charloris william who we just talked a lot about um quick note if we are under some sort of belief system that the post season two the post credit scene from season two with the fidelity test for william was being done by charlotte before the post credit scene of season three how was Charlotte able to do that? To me, the timeline doesn't match up there. Cause how would she been able to do all those fidelity tests in between when that car exploded and when the man in black came to Dubai, it seemed like there was only a matter of days or weeks there. And I feel like I don't remember exactly, but in the, isn't the post credits scene, don't they say that they've done a ton of fidelity tests on William at that point in the post credits scene of season two? Don't they say like, this is a very, a lot of tests we've done. Yada, yada. Yeah, I don't remember if they gave a concrete number. I don't think that they did. Um, And I'm on board with thinking that that was the fatality test for the man in black that we see kill William Mm -hmm. in uh, this new post-credit scene, mostly because they're in the same outfit. I mean, we haven't seen the man in black outfit for a little while. And then we saw it come into play during that fatality test, which... The one after season two, which we didn't think much of because he spent a lot of season two as the man in black. But now we haven't seen that. So to me, that's the link between like, okay, this is this host. I do think that a good deal of time has passed, though, because William has a new cut on his hand or on his mouth and he's wearing different clothes. So it's definitely not a lot of time, but there's there's definitely, I would say, at least a couple weeks. Um. Yeah, I have no idea how fast a fidelity test takes to run. You know, if they're doing it in a simulation, we know the simulations can run faster than normal time. So maybe they did all these simulations in just those weeks or so. I I love the idea of that fitting into the storyline so beautifully because that like takes like it's just another little victory we have as viewers. Like, okay, finally, we have the answer to the post credit scene for season two. So I really want to believe it. That little bit of timeline discrepancy messes with me, but I'm going to totally disregard it and believe that this is fact because it'll make me happier as a Westworld viewer. Well, and I just have... Oh, go on. Sorry. I just have to think, like, we have to remember that with all its twists and turns, I think I might have said this before, but at the end of the day, they are still trying to make good television. And if people are too confused all the time, and if there's too many loose ends left untied, people are going to start to get frustrated. And there's already a degree of that going on. So I think a lot of people wondered all season, what about that post season or that um, post credit scene from season two? And you have to think this was their way of tying the knot because that is very satisfying for a viewer. And there are still a lot of things left open ended. So I feel like in order to make good TV, they have to give us a couple wins. Mm-hmm. So that's at least what we're supposed to think for now. And if they decide to like twist it again, like that's neither here nor there. But I think we're supposed to think that that was tying the knot on the season two post credit scene. It would be much more satisfying. I do. I do agree. Now to close out that team, uh, do we think Clement Hanario, you have to imagine they're still in play or else all of that buildup that they did of like, Oh my God, Clem's coming back for one scene. 
I don't believe that. Charlotte, we know Charloris tipped them off, so there's a connection there. If though, if Clementine and Hanario are no longer bound to Ciroc, because now that Rehoboam's dead, they might have some sort of free will, right? I am to believe that they would join forces with Charloris because of their connection that they had. So, do you feel comfortable saying that they are on Team Charloris for sure? I would say it's it's I think that they're going to be people like, yes, because Charloris needs a team and it's, she definitely seemed to be working with them in the penultimate episode of season three. But I do predict that there's going to be some interesting turns because both Hanario and Clementine had a strong relationship with Maeve. And I don't know if that means that um, Maeve would be a force that's able to reason with Clementine and Hanario, maybe like as the season's like the next season is coming to an end, like she could be a factor to try to talk them out of like this plot of destruction that Charlora seems to have. But I would assume that they will begin the season at the very least on the team of Charloris. I agree. And we also have the idea, I mean, there's a host army, apparently. There's like a Attack of the Clone War situation going on here where we see a bazillion printers going off with Charloris. So I guess she has a host army or is in the process of making a host army that's going to be on her side. I mean, that's that seems to be what they're pointing us to there. And what's interesting is, so if she has the Sector 16 data, that means she can make human replicas using hosts. So yep. do we think that she's printing off a bunch of existing humans and she's going to keep replacing them? Um, it Until seems they're like, all hosts? Well, and if you think about it, the people that came to the park, it's expensive. So there's going to be a lot of powerful people who are coming there. Obviously, it's everyone. Like you have people like Caleb. Oh, that's an interesting thought too. Like Caleb's data is in Sector 16. Like there is definitely a chance that yep. she could build a, a, like an evil Caleb bot that gets replaced at some point. But um, there would definitely be a temptation to replace powerful people. And they have like a lot Jerry. of powerful people. Like fucking Jerry. Didn't Jerry Remember die? Jerry? No, but Jerry went to the park. Remember? Jerry, yeah, Delore, yeah. I'm saying they might, they might bring Jerry back. We might get Jerry. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. And, I thought it, you might. <laughs> I, I just, I, you know, Jerry, compelling character, terrible golf swing, terrible, got him killed. It was that bad. Now you also were positing. I do not agree with this personally. I think, I, as much as I want Vincent Cassell back in the show, I do not think Sirac is coming back. Do you? I don't think so either, but I do think it's interesting that they chose to not see or not show us his death. And my only foundation for thinking he could maybe come back is very silly. Growing up, my mom watched a bunch of soap operas and I'd like be in and out. Well, she watched two. I'd be in and out of the room when she was watching them and these characters would die and then they'd show up again to the point where we had this joke that like, unless you see a dead body, someone's probably going to come back. And I guess there's just that part of me that left over from watching soap operas over her shoulder for the entire time I lived at home thinks that there is a chance that we could see Zerat coming back. But I'm not sure that I believe that. It's just something that they didn't show us his death. It could possibly happen. And that's the, Vincent Cassell that's the Game was, of Thrones, right? 
That's yeah. the exact same with Game of Thrones. Like that's what everybody. I mean, Game of Thrones really was a soap opera. I mean, let's be real. It's what it is. And yeah, it's it. We all felt that way. It's like you know, I actually I I recall. I believe it was in in season six. I said, well, technically, what if Prince Oberyn got buried outside of the Red Keep, and then the White Walkers brought him back, and they were like, he doesn't have a head, Jared. What are you gonna do? Bring back a headless Prince Oberyn? And I was like, you know what? I didn't see, I didn't see him get buried. And, and people, so you never know. You, even if somebody has their head exploded, like Gallagher exploding a watermelon in Game of Thrones, they could be brought back. Ciroc didn't even die on scene, so Ciroc could come back, but I don't think he will. I don't think so either. But I'm also of the same school of thought that he could, and I have the same theory about Stubbs. Like I do think because he's so lovable. And he can't really die unless they hit that point of his vertebrae or something happens with his control unit. I do think we'll see a little bit of stubs again for the same reason. Yeah, like they just gotta they just gotta fill him back up with fluid. I, I don't I don't understand the ice bath thing. They did a terrible job explaining to us how these hosts can die in ways that aren't with the C six vertebrae. I thought that, that that's absurd that we never were like, hey, if they run out of this fluid, they're totally dead and you can't bring them back. But like he was sitting dead in the in the park with the exact same like loss of blood or, or whatever for a long time before Bernard got there. So you have to imagine Stubbs is back. Have to. I, I think not only do we like him, but I just, I don't know if there was something I read at some point, but I have a feeling that the showrunners really like him too. And I don't think that his story is over yet. We haven't gotten enough Stubbs, realistically. He's, he's, totally, he's like the epitome of a side character in that show. There's never been a time when he was like the focus. It's funny too, because he's also kind of like the side character of the Hemsworth brothers. <laughs> like he's the forgotten Hemsworth man, brother. And I've always that had a man, jeez. No, I've just had this theory that there's like this very meta, like people forget that Luke Hemsworth is a Hemsworth. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of weird tie-ins with who Luke Hemsworth is is like in the world of like acting and who he is in the show. And I really love him. So I hope we get to see more of it. You think he's projecting into that character? No, but I do think that Westworld, this is something I haven't said before. And so I'm glad you brought it up. I do think Westworld plays on the subconscious perception of actors and who they are in other roles. So like we have a lot of people who have occurred as other people obviously because they're actors and I do think they play on the subconscious perception like Vincent Cassell having in all his previous roles very much fed into like my perception of him as Ciroc and like Aaron Paul like there's a lot of Jesse moments in the season especially with like genre this whole episode where he's on like a drug trip I, I think they do play on those perceptions you think you think Westworld is is subconsciously bringing out parts of the actual actor in the character no who the public perceives them as based on their previous roles you think westworld is bringing out the subconscious perceptions from the viewers this is the most serena take i love it <laughs> this is so much meta brain shit going on so you think you think the showrunners know what viewers think about the actors and they kind of tie together the actor with the character do they do that so the viewer feels more good about the role or so the actor feels more comfortable and can thus act better or both 
or need a little bit of both. I think they I wouldn't say they know what the viewer specifically thinks, but you are going to know what public perception of someone is. And you are obviously going to know what their previous body of work was. And I think I mean, a lot of people, it's not out of the realm of like what we know that people get typecast. I don't think it's quite typecasting, but I do think almost every character that we know definitively from somewhere else has had some tie in to that previous character in Westworld. I mean, think of what they did with Grand Theft Auto and how like Rebus, like, yep. you know, like played basically like an NPC in Westworld. It, like there's just a lot of that happening. I wish I had better examples of it right now. Like maybe I'll write another column and try to figure out what they all were when I thought of this before. But I think you it won't. happens. I think I speak for all the patrons when I say you won't. Okay. Is that a challenge? I mean, imagine if it wasn't a challenge and I was just saying, no, Serena, you won't. You won't be doing that. Like, obviously, it's a challenge. I'm not just like an asshole over here telling you that you're you're not allowed to do things. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to try. I'll, I, I know I have it written down somewhere in the depths of old season notes, and it might have just been something quick, but I I will go back and try to find these connections that I've thought of before. There we go. Today's episode of FAMF is also brought to you by Raycon. Whether you're working from home or working on your fitness, you want what you're listening to to be what you are listening to, not what the people you're quarantining with are listening to. Because only you listen to good stuff. They probably listen to bad stuff. That's just how it is. You know, you listen to the best stuff. Everybody always thinks the music they listen to is best. So you want to listen to the best music or podcasts or anything. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds to do that with. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon starts at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. But their newest model, which I own and love, the Everyday E25 earbuds, is their best model yet for sure. Six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and I mean more bass. They're pumping the bass in there. A much more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. These things are incredibly comfortable. They're perfect for on the go listening while I play disc golf or go for a run. Perfect for taking phone calls or doing conference calls or listening to this very podcast. One amazing feature that I love is that they come with different ear cup sizes. So people with smaller ears like me, J-Bone, Never again must feel the pain that comes with earbuds being too large. And then you take them out and your ears are like, ah, put them back in. And you put them in and they're like, ah, take them out. And you're just in that weird limbo. That's not, that's not what you get with Raycon. These things, you make them sized to your own ear. It's amazing. Truly amazing. Unlike other wireless earbuds, they're stylish and discreet. There's no stems poking out or wires dangling that distract people during video calls. The company was co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Cardi B and J.R. Smith are obsessed with Raycon. You need to see what all the hype is about, and I promise you won't be disappointed. You can pop them in and listen to us while doing any number of household chores that you're putting off right now. We're all doing that, and it's going to make your chores a thousand times more bearable. So, now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash famf. That's buyraycon.com slash famf for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash F-A-M-F. Buyraycon.com slash famf. Link in the description of this episode. Shouts to them. The product is great and they support the show. We love you, Raycon. 
Now to close off, got a few final thoughts I want to run through, okay? First off, how much of season four do you think will be Dubai-based? It was on the poster for season three and they didn't even mention it. I feel like we're going to get a decent amount of Dubai slash like Middle East coming in here because it seems like they like that like kind of futuristic architecture vibe. Plus they made a point to show us there's a Delos lab in Dubai. I kind of feel like we might get a lot of the season there. What do you think? I could see it. I think it'll definitely jump around because we left um, Caleb and Maeve in LA. But this season was structured jumping between roughly three locales. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kept that structure for the next season and if one of the main locales was in Dubai. So I'm, I'm in on that. Next question. How do we see the Valley Beyond come into play in season four? I think that pretty early on in season four, we're going to get to see what Bernard discovered in the Valley Beyond. And I actually will go so far as to say, I think there's a very good chance they stretch out Bernard's experience in the Valley Beyond for the entirety of season four and to where the t- a big twist is going to be getting the full picture of what exactly went down when Bernard was in the Valley Beyond. I think they might give us bits and pieces sprinkled throughout the season. And then finally, it's like, oh, this is what Bernard discovered in the Valley Beyond. And this is how it relates to all of the stuff you've been watching as this season four has unfolded. I hadn't thought about that, but I like that for structure. I think we'll have to get a good chunk of it early on to see like what caused him to wake up. Like maybe we'll see just what he saw right before he woke up and not really know how it fits in. And then the rest of the season, as Bernard is going through um, being in the now, we'll also get more flashbacks of what he saw in the Valley Beyond. First crackpot theory for season four right here. Ready? Bernard woke up from the Valley Beyond because he had to pee. Uh, I really Serena's th- giving me a huge <laughs> thumbs up. She's going, yes, great theory. I know. See, I just spout these things out. It's crazy. No other podcast is doing this. They're not. Next question. How do we see the Sector 16 data come into play in season four? I'm pretty in on the idea that not all, but at least a significant chunk of the people being printed behind Charlois are Sector 16 data replacements. I do think that's what's going to happen as well. I think that's why Charlois is like, you're right on time. She coaxed William into coming to her so she could get the data, start replacing humans with hosts, which is funny because that's what we all thought season three was going to be about. So it's kind of weird that now we're going back to saying season four is going to be about that. But I mean, it's much better suited now. That before Dolores had seven bodies, you can't replace seven bodies and make a difference on the world. Now we see that Charlores is capable of doing that to hundreds, if not thousands of times. Well, and we also have a villain that's far better suited for it. I mean, we knew that Dolores was angry and that she wanted to do some shit. But when Bernard said like Dolores is built with a poetic sensibility, it, it honestly tied a lot of questions I had about why her character would do that together. Charloris is a complete divergence. So it's someone who's definitely better suited to be building an evil army of human replacement AI. Yep. Indeed. So that's, that's the setup we got for season four. I have five predictions here. That of the, the, I'm gonna, I call them predictions. They're things that are going to happen. And I'm just going to run right through all five because I want you to take mental note and like in your brain, I want you to be able to go, 
oh yeah, like all those fit together. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to start thinking to yourself, oh my God, I don't even need to watch season four now because J-Bone has just predicted all of it for me. Don't think that. I'm not a prophet. I just, I just really take things and call them how I see them. So here we go. J-Bone's locks of season four. Charloris puts herself back in Dolores' body. That's one. Two. William finally redeems himself at the end of the season before exiting the series. Prediction three. Bernard and Caleb clash because Bernard tries to take the lead with his Valley Beyond knowledge, but Caleb wants free will to be in charge. Prediction four. Bernard convinces Maeve to stop caring about her daughter by tying that together to his experience with his son, Charlie. Finally, season five. Wait, not season five. Prediction five. Take five. This take is about season four, not season five. I'm not going two seasons ahead here. I'm not crazy. Season four ends with Star Wars Attack of the Clone vibes with a massive host army that's created that leads us into season five. I made this last prediction before we determined that that Charloris is replacing people, but I stand by it because now I have two takes that are both in play. That's a smart way to do it. I'm, I'm diversifying my take portfolio to if either one of those comes true, I now have a soundbite for it. That's, that's uh, proper taking right there. I would say I'd love for you to commit to one of them, but I just don't see it happening. No, absolutely not. I've already, I already have the sound bites. Even if I said right now I was going to commit to one, the second the one, other one came true, I'd be like, pull the tape. There we go. I did it. J-Bone, um, do you have predictions for season four? My biggest prediction was what I just said about the Sector 16 data being used to create um, human replacements and that I think we will see Evan Rachel Wood again in some form. Um, I really think they're pulling a fast one on us thinking that she's gone. I don't think it'll be right away. I think it'll be about mid-season. We'll get a little bit of her back again. Um, Those are probably my only two. And I have to say, I also predict that nothing will ever convince Maeve to stop caring about her daughter. They are so married to that plot point. I would love to see it, but I, I just don't see it happening. I, If I could ask one question to Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, it would legitimately be, why are you so married to the Maeve daughter storyline when it's so clear that nobody takes emotional stock in it? That's my because question for them. I, their parents, I honestly, I have to wonder, like, if I asked, like, a parent, would they be more sympathetic to that plot point? I think parents are just like, the worst thing that could happen is losing your child. And I don't understand it because I don't have children. So I, their parents, that's probably why they're like, this would be the biggest horror ever. And my response is lame. That does it for this episode of Freeze All Motor Functions and this season of Freeze All Motor Functions for real this time. We don't know when we'll see you again, but follow us on Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions and Twitter at Freeze All Motor for updates on the show and what we're doing in the off season. Finally, if you enjoyed this season of FAMF and want to support the show, just because you had a great time here with us during quarantine, it was freaking crazy, but we made it through together. There are three major ways that you can support FAMF right now. First off, support our sponsors. The more you support them, the more likely they are to stay on as sponsors. We love all our sponsors this season. We love to have them back. So supporting them would be awesome. The second thing you can do is rate us five stars and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You know, uh, nice reviews are great. They help us next season 
Next Westworld season, when people are looking for Westworld podcasts, they're going to look for one with good reviews. If you write us a good review, it helps grow the show. Plus, it's a free way to support us, you know? It's, just, it's, it's very budget-friendly. So, finally, the last thing you can do to support Freeze on Motor Functions... If you enjoyed what we put out here this season, is subscribe to our Patreon. There won't be too much more content uploaded there before season four airs, but a Patreon subscription financially supports all of us here at FAMF, and it also grants you access to the entire backlog of FAMF Patreon content that includes eight podcasts, a bunch of columns, some memes, uh, and one of the podcasts is our only ever video podcast or only ever video analysis mode. We had some video podcasts for the preseason stuff you can find on the Bolden Media YouTube page. But the only Patreon analysis mode video, which includes when I may have given Ross COVID. It's it, it's also the funniest thing Freeze on Motor Functions has ever done. It is the most unhinged video on the internet, I think. And you can only see it if you're on our Patreon, which is great. It's It's truly miraculous. And again, it supports us. If you subscribe to our Patreon now, you support FAMF, you get more FAMF, everybody wins. Serena, thank you for joining us here uh, this season and on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said last time, it was a ray of joy and a very strange and dark time. So thanks for letting me be part of it. Of course. Where can the people follow you on social? I am at Serena underscore Therese, which is T-H-E-R-E-S-E, three E's, non-consecutive, on um, every form of social media, Twitter, Instagram. Those are probably the only ones I have. And Sam, uh, do let me know what Photoshop you want. Oh, yes. Yes. Hit Serena up. Get the Photoshop in. And we'll post it on our social. Time for the NPR-style sign-off, the last one of the season. Enjoy it. Savor it, everybody. Freeze All Motor Functions has been brought to you by Boland Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Boland and Serena. This show is remotely produced by Mike Moody of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Special thanks to Phil from DC, aka Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, and Serena, who does insanely awesome Westworld and Freeze All Motor Functions themed memes and Photoshop work you can find on our Twitter at Freeze All Motor, Instagram at Freeze All Motor Functions, and at Patreon.com slash Freeze All Motor Functions. Thank you so much for joining us this season, everybody. We loved having you. We hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great summer. And I guess like year and a half too. Bye everybody. Freeze all motor functions.